Along the way, this inevitably becomes related to other concepts such as the justice system and the welfare state. This is a large, complicated topic that engenders tremendous debate, which can be further studied in the following articles, and others. O national insurance. O social safety net. O social security. O social security debate, United States. O social security, United States. O social welfare provision. Asterisk stop loss insurance provides protection against catastrophic or unpredictable losses. It is purchased by organizations who do not want to assume 100% of the liability for losses arising from the plans. Under a stop loss policy, the insurance company becomes liable for losses that exceed certain limits called deductibles. Closed community and governmental self-insurance. Some communities prefer to create virtual insurance amongst themselves by other means than contractual risk transfer, which assigns explicit numerical values to risk. A number of religious groups, including the Amish and some Muslim groups, depend on support provided by their communities when disasters strike. The risk presented by any given person is assumed collectively by the community who all bear the cost of rebuilding lost property and supporting people whose needs are suddenly greater after a loss of some kind. In supportive communities where others can be trusted to follow community leaders, this tacit form of insurance can work. In this manner the community can even out the extreme differences in insurability that exist among its members. Some further justification is also provided by invoking the moral hazard of explicit insurance contracts. In the United Kingdom, the Crown, which, for practical purposes, meant the civil service, did not insure property such as government buildings. If a government building was damaged, the cost of repair would be met from public funds because, in the long run, this was cheaper than paying insurance premiums. Since many UK government buildings have been sold to property companies and rented back, this arrangement is now less common and may have disappeared altogether. In the United States, the most prevalent form of self-insurance is governmental risk management pools. They are self-funded cooperatives, operating as carriers of coverage for the majority of governmental entities today, such as county governments, municipalities, and school districts. Rather than these entities independently self-insure and risk bankruptcy from a large judgment or catastrophic loss, such governmental entities form a risk pool. Such pools begin their operations by capitalization through member deposits or bond issuance. Coverage, such as general liability, auto liability, professional liability, workers' compensation, and property, is offered by the pool to its members, similar to coverage offered by insurance companies. However, self-insured pools offer members lower rates, due to not needing insurance brokers, increased benefits, such as loss prevention services, and subject matter expertise. Of approximately 91,000 distinct governmental entities operating in the United States, 75,000 are members of self-insured pools in various lines of coverage, forming approximately 500 pools. Although a relatively small corner of the insurance market, the annual contributions, self-insured premiums, to such pools have been estimated up to $17 billion annually. Insurance Companies Insurance companies may sell any combination of insurance types, but are often classified into three groups. Asterisk Life Insurance Companies, which sell life insurance, annuities, and pensions products and bear similarities to asset management businesses. Asterisk Non-Life or Property Slash Casualty Insurance Companies, which sell other types of insurance. Asterisk Health Insurance Companies, which sometimes sell life insurance or employee benefits as well. General insurance companies can be further divided into these subcategories. Asterisk standard lines. Asterisk excess lines. 
In most countries, life and non-life insurers are subject to different regulatory regimes and different tax and accounting rules. The main reason for the distinction between the two types of company is that life, annuity, and pension business is very long-term in nature, coverage for life assurance or a pension can cover risks over many decades. By contrast, non-life insurance cover usually covers a shorter period, such as one year. Mutual versus proprietary. Insurance companies are generally classified as either mutual or proprietary companies. Mutual companies are owned by the policyholders, while shareholders, who may or may not own policies, own proprietary insurance companies. The mutualization of mutual insurers to form stock companies, as well as the formation of a hybrid known as a mutual holding company, became common in some countries, such as the United States, in the late 20th century. However, not all states permit mutual holding companies. Reinsurance companies. Reinsurance companies are insurance companies that sell policies to other insurance companies, allowing them to reduce their risks and protect themselves from very large losses. The reinsurance market is dominated by a few very large companies, with huge reserves. A reinsurer may also be a direct writer of insurance risks as well. Captive insurance companies. Captive insurance companies may be defined as limited-purpose insurance companies established with the specific objective of financing risks emanating from their parent group or groups. This definition can sometimes be extended to include some of the risks of the parent company's customers. In short, it is an in-house self-insurance vehicle. Captives may take the form of a pure entity, which is a 100% subsidiary of the self-insured parent company, of a mutual captive, which insures the collective risks of members of an industry, and of an association captive, which self-insures individual risks of the members of a professional, commercial, or industrial association. Captives represent commercial, economic, and tax advantages to their sponsors because of the reductions in costs they help create and for the ease of insurance risk management and the flexibility for cash flows they generate. Additionally, they may provide coverage of risks which is neither available nor offered in the traditional insurance market at reasonable prices. The types of risk that a captive can underwrite for their parents include property damage, public and product liability, professional indemnity, employee benefits, employer's liability, motor and medical aid expenses. The captive's exposure to such risks may be limited by the use of reinsurance. Captives are becoming an increasingly important component of the risk management and risk financing strategy of their parent. This can be understood against the following background. Asterisk heavy and increasing premium costs in almost every line of coverage. Asterisk difficulties in ensuring certain types of fortuitous risk. Asterisk differential coverage standards in various parts of the world. Asterisk rating structures which reflect market trends rather than individual loss experience. Asterisk insufficient credit for deductibles or loss control efforts. Other forms. Other possible forms for an insurance company include reciprocals, in which policyholders reciprocate in sharing risks, and Lloyd's organizations. Admitted versus non-admitted. Admitted insurance companies are those in the United States that have been admitted or licensed by the state licensing agency. The insurance they sell is called admitted insurance. Non-admitted companies have not been approved by the state licensing agency, but are allowed to sell insurance under special circumstances when they meet an insurance need that admitted companies cannot or will not meet. Insurance Consultants there are also companies known as insurance consultants. Like a mortgage broker, these companies are paid a fee by the customer to shop around for the best insurance policy amongst many companies. Similar to an insurance consultant, an insurance broker also shops around for the best insurance policy amongst many companies. 
However, with insurance brokers, the fee is usually paid in the form of commission from the insurer that is selected rather than directly from the client. Neither insurance consultants nor insurance brokers are insurance companies and no risks are transferred to them in insurance transactions. Third-party administrators are companies that perform underwriting and sometimes claims handling services for insurance companies. These companies often have special expertise that the insurance companies do not have. Financial Stability and Rating The financial stability and strength of an insurance company should be a major consideration when buying an insurance contract. An insurance premium paid currently provides coverage for losses that might arise many years in the future. For that reason, the viability of the insurance carrier is very important. In recent years, a number of insurance companies have become insolvent, leaving their policy holders with no coverage, or coverage only from a government-backed insurance pool or other arrangement with less attractive payouts for losses. A number of independent rating agencies provide information and rate the financial viability of insurance companies. Insurance companies are rated by various agencies such as AM Best. The ratings include the company's financial strength, which measures its ability to pay claims. It also rates financial instruments issued by the insurance company, such as bonds, notes, and securitization products. Across the world. Non-life insurance premiums written in 2005. Global insurance premiums grew by 2.7% in inflation-adjusted terms in 2010 to $4.3 trillion, climbing above pre-crisis levels. The return to growth and record premiums generated during the year followed two years of decline in real terms. Life insurance premiums increased by 3.2% in 2010 and non-life premiums by 2.1%. While industrial-east countries saw an increase in premiums of around 1.4%, Insurance markets in emerging economies saw rapid expansion with 11% growth in premium income. The global insurance industry was sufficiently capitalized to withstand the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009 and most insurance companies restored their capital to pre-crisis levels by the end of 2010. With the continuation of the gradual recovery of the global economy, it is likely the insurance industry will continue to see growth in premium income both in industrial-east countries and emerging markets in 2011. Advanced economies account for the bulk of global insurance. With premium income of $1.62 trillion, Europe was the most important region in 2010, followed by North America $1.41 trillion and Asia $1.16 trillion. Europe has however seen a decline in premium income during the year in contrast to the growth seen in North America and Asia. The top four countries generated more than a half of premiums. The United States and Japan alone accounted for 40% of world insurance, much higher than their 7% share of the global population. Emerging economies accounted for over 85% of the world's population but only around 15% of premiums. Their markets are however growing at a quicker pace. The country expected to have the biggest impact on the insurance share distribution across the world is China. According to Sam Radwin of Enhance International LLC, low premium penetration, insurance premium as a percent of GDP, an aging population and the largest car market in terms of new sales, premium growth has averaged 15 to 20 percent in the past five years, and China is expected to be the largest insurance market in the next decade or two. Regulatory Differences In the United States, insurance is regulated by the states under the McCarran-Ferguson Act, with periodic proposals for federal intervention, and a non-profit coalition of state insurance agencies called the National Association of Insurance Commissioners works to harmonize the country's different laws and regulations. The National Conference of Insurance Legislators, NCOIL, 
also works to harmonize the different state laws. In the European Union, the Third Non-Life Directive and the Third Life Directive, both passed in 1992 and effective 1994, created a single insurance market in Europe and allowed insurance companies to offer insurance anywhere in the EU, subject to permission from authority in the head office, and allowed insurance consumers to purchase insurance from any insurer in the EU. As far as insurance in the United Kingdom, the Financial Services Authority took over insurance regulation from the General Insurance Standards Council in 2005 laws passed include the Insurance Companies Act 1973 and another in 1982, and reforms to warranty and other aspects under discussion as of 2012 update. The insurance industry in China was nationalized in 1949 and thereafter offered by only a single state-owned company, the People's Insurance Company of China, which was eventually suspended as demand declined in a communist environment. In 1978, market reforms led to an increase in the market and by 1995 a comprehensive insurance law of the People's Republic of China 52 was passed, followed in 1998 by the formation of China Insurance Regulatory Commission, CIRC, which has broad regulatory authority over the insurance market of China. In India IRDA is Insurance Regulatory Authority. As per the Section 4 of IRDA Act 1999, Insurance Regulatory and Development Authority, IRDA, which was constituted by an Act of Parliament. National Insurance Academy, Pune is Apex Insurance Capacity Builder Institute promoted with support from Ministry of Finance and by LIC, Life and General Insurance Companies. In 2017, within the framework of the joint project of the Bank of Russia and Yandex, a special check mark, a green circle with a tick and Unified State Register of Insurance Entities, text box, appeared in the search for Yandex system, informing the consumer that the company's financial services are offered on the marked website, which has the status of an insurance company, a broker, or a mutual insurance association. Controversies Does not reduce the risk. Insurance is just a risk transfer mechanism wherein the financial burden which may arise due to some fortuitous event is transferred to a bigger entity called an insurance company by way of paying premiums. This only reduces the financial burden and not the actual chances of happening of an event. Insurance is a risk for both the insurance company and the insured. The insurance company understands the risk involved and will perform a risk assessment when writing the policy. As a result, the premiums may go up if they determine that the policy holder will file a claim. If a person is financially stable and plans for life's unexpected events, they may be able to go without insurance. However, they must have enough to cover a total and complete loss of employment and of their possessions. Some states will accept a surety bond, a government bond, or even making a cash deposit with the state. Moral hazard. An insurance company may inadvertently find that its insureds may not be as risk-averse as they might otherwise be, since, by definition, the insured has transferred the risk to the insurer, a concept known as moral hazard. This insulates many from the true costs of living with risk, negating measures that can mitigate or adapt to risk and leading some to describe insurance schemes as potentially maladaptive. To reduce their own financial exposure, insurance companies have contractual clauses that mitigate their obligation to provide coverage if the insured engages in behavior that grossly magnifies their risk of loss or liability. For example, life insurance companies may require higher premiums or deny coverage altogether to people who work in hazardous occupations or engage in dangerous sports. Liability insurance providers do not provide coverage for liability arising from intentional torts committed by or at the direction of the insured. Even if a provider desired to provide such coverage, it is against the public policy of most countries to allow such insurance to exist, and thus it is usually illegal.
Complexity of Insurance Policy Contracts 9-11 was a major insurance loss, but there were disputes over the World Trade Center's insurance policy. Insurance policies can be complex and some policyholders may not understand all the fees and coverages included in a policy. As a result, people may buy policies on unfavorable terms. In response to these issues, many countries have enacted detailed statutory and regulatory regimes governing every aspect of the insurance business, including minimum standards for policies and the ways in which they may be advertised and sold. For example, most insurance policies in the English language today have been carefully drafted in plain English, the industry learned the hard way that many courts will not enforce policies against insureds when the judges themselves cannot understand what the policies are saying. Typically, courts construe ambiguities in insurance policies against the insurance company and in favor of coverage under the policy. Many institutional insurance purchasers buy insurance through an insurance broker. While on the surface it appears the broker represents the buyer, not the insurance company, and typically counsels the buyer on appropriate coverage and policy limitations, in the vast majority of cases a broker's compensation comes in the form of a commission as a percentage of the insurance premium, creating a conflict of interest in that the broker's financial interest is tilted towards encouraging an insured to purchase more insurance than might be necessary at a higher price. A broker generally holds contracts with many insurers, thereby allowing the broker to shop the market for the best rates and coverage possible. Insurance may also be purchased through an agent. A tied agent, working exclusively with one insurer, represents the insurance company from whom the policy holder buys, while a free agent sells policies of various insurance companies. Just as there is a potential conflict of interest with a broker, an agent has a different type of conflict. Because agents work directly for the insurance company, if there is a claim the agent may advise the client to the benefit of the insurance company. Agents generally cannot offer as broad a range of selection compared to an insurance broker. An independent insurance consultant advises insureds on a fee-for-service retainer, similar to an attorney, and thus offers completely independent advice, free of the financial conflict of interest of brokers or agents. However, such a consultant must still work through brokers or agents in order to secure coverage for their clients. Limited Consumer Benefits In the United States, economists and consumer advocates generally consider insurance to be worthwhile for low probability, catastrophic losses, but not for high probability, small losses. Because of this, consumers are advised to select high deductibles and to not insure losses which would not cause a disruption in their life. However, consumers have shown a tendency to prefer low deductibles and to prefer to insure relatively high probability, small losses over low probability, perhaps due to not understanding or ignoring the low probability risk. This is associated with reduced purchasing of insurance against low probability losses, and may result in increased inefficiencies from moral hazard. Redlining Redlining is the practice of denying insurance coverage in specific geographic areas, supposedly because of a high likelihood of loss, while the alleged motivation is unlawful discrimination. Racial profiling or redlining has a long history in the property insurance industry in the United States. From a review of industry underwriting and marketing materials, court documents, and research by government agencies, industry and community groups, and academics, it is clear that race has long affected and continues to affect the policies and practices of the insurance industry. In July 2007, the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, released a report presenting the results of a study concerning credit-based insurance scores in automobile insurance. The study found that these scores are effective predictors of risk. It also showed that African Americans and Hispanics are substantially overrepresented in the lowest credit scores, 
and substantially underrepresented in the highest, while Caucasians and Asians are more evenly spread across the scores. The credit scores were also found to predict risk within each of the ethnic groups, leading the FTC to conclude that the scoring models are not solely proxies for redlining. The FTC indicated little data was available to evaluate benefit of insurance scores to consumers. The report was disputed by representatives of the Consumer Federation of America, the National Fair Housing Alliance, the National Consumer Law Center, and the Center for Economic Justice, for relying on data provided by the insurance industry. All states have provisions in their rate regulation laws or in their fair trade practice acts that prohibit unfair discrimination, often called redlining, in setting rates and making insurance available. In determining premiums and premium rate structures, insurers consider quantifiable factors, including location, credit scores, gender, occupation, marital status, and education level. However, the use of such factors is often considered to be unfair or unlawfully discriminatory, and the reaction against this practice has in some instances led to political disputes about the ways in which insurers determine premiums and regulatory intervention to limit the factors used. An insurance underwriter's job is to evaluate a given risk as to the likelihood that a loss will occur. Any factor that causes a greater likelihood of loss should theoretically be charged a higher rate. This basic principle of insurance must be followed if insurance companies are to remain solvent. Thus, discrimination against, i.e., negative differential treatment of, potential insureds in the risk evaluation and premium setting process is a necessary byproduct of the fundamentals of insurance underwriting. For instance, insurers charge older people significantly higher premiums than they charge younger people for term life insurance. Older people are thus treated differently from younger people, i.e., a distinction is made, discrimination occurs. The rationale for the differential treatment goes to the heart of the risk a life insurer takes, old people are likely to die sooner than young people, so the risk of loss, the insured's death, is greater in any given period of time and therefore the risk premium must be higher to cover the greater risk. However, treating insureds differently when there is no actuarially sound reason for doing so is unlawful discrimination. Insurance Patents Insurance Patent New assurance products can now be protected from copying with a business method patent in the United States. A recent example of a new insurance product that is patented is usage-based auto insurance. Early versions were independently invented and patented by a major U.S. auto insurance company, Progressive Auto Insurance, U.S. Patent 5,797,134, and a Spanish independent inventor, Salvador Mingajan Pérez, EP 070009. Many independent inventors are in favor of patenting new insurance products since it gives them protection from big companies when they bring their new insurance products to market. Independent inventors account for 70% of the new U.S. patent applications in this area. Many insurance executives are opposed to patenting insurance products because it creates a new risk for them. The Hartford Insurance Company, for example, recently had to pay $80 million to an independent inventor, Bancorp Services, in order to settle a patent infringement and theft of trade secret lawsuit for a type of corporate-owned life insurance product invented and patented by Bancorp. There are currently about 150 new patent applications on insurance inventions filed per year in the United States. The rate at which patents have been issued has steadily risen from 15 in 2002 to 44 in 2006. The first insurance patent to be granted was 62 including another example of an application posted was US 20090055522 Risk Assessment Company. It was posted on March 6, 2009. This patent application describes a method for increasing the ease of changing insurance companies.
Insurance on Demand Insurance on Demand, also IOD, is an insurance service that provides clients with insurance protection when they need, i.e. only episodic rather than on 24-7 basis as typically provided by traditional insurers, e.g. clients can purchase an insurance for one single flight rather than a longer-lasting travel insurance plan. Insurance Industry and Rent Seeking Certain insurance products and practices have been described as rent-seeking by critics citation needed that is, some insurance products or practices are useful primarily because of legal benefits, such as reducing taxes, as opposed to providing protection against risks of adverse events. Under United States tax law, for example, most owners of variable annuities and variable life insurance can invest their premium payments in the stock market and defer or eliminate paying any taxes on their investments until withdrawals are made. Sometimes this tax deferral is the only reason people use these products another example is the legal infrastructure which allows life insurance to be held in an irrevocable trust which is used to pay an estate tax while the proceeds themselves are immune from the estate tax. Religious Concerns Muslim scholars have varying opinions about life insurance. Life insurance policies that earn interest, or guaranteed bonus slash NAV, are generally considered to be a form of riba, usury, and some consider even policies that do not earn interest to be a form of gerer, speculation. Some argue that gerer is not present due to the actuarial science behind the underwriting. Jewish rabbinical scholars also have expressed reservations regarding insurance as an avoidance of God's will but most find it acceptable in moderation. Some Christians believe insurance represents a lack of faith and there is a long history of resistance to commercial insurance in Anabaptist communities, Mennonites, Amish, Hutterites, Brethren in Christ, but many participate in community-based self-insurance programs that spread risk within their communities. Alright now, what y'all think about that? Insurance. Let me tell you something, man, insurance is a hell of a game. That is, you know, I was thinking today when I was thinking about doing this thing, I'm going to do another thing on Ponzi schemes. And I was thinking to myself, after learning a little bit more about insurance, is insurance a Ponzi scheme? Huh? Is it like a positive scheme? Because insurance company is that these folks, these folks, like a car, right? A car. You buy a car and you pay these folks for insurance, right? You may, like myself, you may never get into an accident. You may be a perfect driver all your life. But yet you paying hundreds of dollars to these insurance companies and that's money that you can't write off on your taxes and that's money that you will never get back. Now, Insurance is an odds game for the insurer because you got people like me who never get in an accident, right? And you may have some people who always get in accidents. But see, but what the insurance company do, how they never lose money is that the person who always gets in an accident, they're going to raise their premiums up and then they're going to raise everybody else's premiums up to compensate for it. So whatever they, whatever they spend, they can spend too much money off. What they're going to do is they're they they just going to raise everybody else's insurance up. But it's easy money for them because insurance companies are getting something for nothing for the most part. Insurance company may have, they, uh, they may have, I'm going to say a thousand people that, that are, a thousand people they insure. Out of that thousand people, they may have probably about maybe a hundred, if that, 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 that they have to pay out claims on. But see, but the claims are so high, they straight making money. Because what they do is when, like the insurance, like they were talking about, explaining about the insurance. What what the insurance companies do is when 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 you pay your premiums or when you pay your on your policy, they take that money and invest it. They take that money and invest it. Now here it is. Now you you giving them money for your car every month, 
and they taking your money and they invest in your money and they can pay interest off your money and in, uh, in investment. They keep a certain stash on the side just in case a certain percentage of cash on the side because they know because they got information on all these drivers, right? They got information on you. So they know the drivers that they can have who they're gonna have problems with as far as accidents. The premiums are already jacked up on these those people, so they keep a certain amount of money at, at, at the value of that person's car or that person's home or whatever. They they keep that stash over here, right? And they take the rest of that money and they invest that money on the stock market somewhere and getting paid interest on it. That's how Andrew Carnegie and all these people, that's how they made a bulk of their money to invest in some of these businesses that they started. They made it through insurance. And then what you, like I tell you people, what the trick about insurance is, you get these government officials involved, right? You get these government officials involved in, in, in passing policy to make the regular person out here have insurance, carry insurance. So if you don't have insurance, you can go to jail, you can get sued. Like that Obamacare, that Obamacare, man, that Obamacare was the worst thing that ever happened. That Obamacare forced people to buy insurance. And if you don't get, you didn't have insurance, you, you, at the end of you, when you paid your taxes, your income taxes, you get penalized. It wasn't, it, Obamacare wasn't to help poor people who didn't have insurance. Old people, Obamacare was to force everybody into the marketplace and force everybody to pay on insurance to these insurance companies who, who, who ain't giving you nothing in return. Insurance, insurance companies don't give you nothing. And then, and then, when, you, when, then, when, then when you do have an accident or something happening, you, you got to get a payout. They, they, they put you through period of hell. But remember, they got a little stash set on the side for these, for any, any of these little accidents or whatever that goes down. But it's because the bulk of their money is invested. And they can pay the interest on the money that they have invested. That's how Andrew Carnegie and all the people got, got, got in these, these businesses into the, into the steel industry. The Rockefellers, that's how they was either procured to buy so to get to get into uh, acquisition of different businesses. You know, J.P. Morgan. That's, it's insurance. Insurance is where they got to get the money because they tell you people that, hey, you got to have life insurance. Right, so it's like now. I think right now I pay I pay out my check. I think I pay like seventy dollars, seventy dollars a month for life insurance for the for the amount of money I have on my policy. Seventy dollars a month. If I leave the company, I, when uh, I pay seventy dollars a month, and then the company matches it for the for the amount of money I have on my policy. So, but if I leave the company right now, right. That's it. That, that insurance policy, if, if I don't pay out of pocket, if I don't pay out of pocket $70 a month to keep that insurance policy, that, that insurance policy is going away. That means all these years that I've been working on that job and carrying that policy and paying in that policy, that money gone. You see, you see how this thing is? Ain't that crazy? That money gone. I can't go out and come and say, well, hey, I'm not working for the company anymore. I, you know, all the money I paid into my life insurance policy, I ain't getting nothing. Can I, have, can I have that money back? No, you ain't getting that money back. That money gone. Now I got to go out if I leave the company and go get a new policy or continue to try to try to, to try to meet the uh, payments on, on that policy. Insurance company ain't, ain't nothing but a racket. But yet you let the average the average person out here. If if uh if if I go to the person and say, look here, man, uh, if you pay me X amount of you pay me X amount of money every month, if you die, I'll get your family this. I go to jail for loan sharking. Also, I can't loan somebody. I can't loan my money. My, I, I can't loan my brother money and charge him interest. I can give him money, but I can't loan him no money and charge him interest. If I do, I can go to jail. They call me loan sharking. But a bank can do it. 
An insurance company can, can take your money and do it. Because they got the government behind them doing all this kind of stuff. Now listen, I'm going to tell y'all like this here. I think it's a beautiful racket. I'm not hating on it at all. I think it's a beautiful system. It's a beautiful system. But insurance is is a big money maker for these folks. How do you think that boy uh um was it was that 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 that, that rich boy? That rich boy that everybody talk about. He wear them glasses and he see so frugal with his money drive an old truck. I can't think of that boy. I was just listening to him because he was because he really don't like Tesla getting into the insurance business. But that's how he made his money. He made his money in the insurance game. I can't think of that boy's name. The white fella. Little short little white fella. Very frugal with his money. Billionaire. Billionaire. I can't think of his name, but I'm going to think of it before I end this talk. He made his money off the insurance business. Now, he mad at Elon Musk because Elon Musk want to get into the insurance business. Because, because see, Elon Musk looking to get into the insurance business because not only can he insure cars, you know, he be putting them solar panels on houses. So now, Elon Musk can get into insurance on houses. So now, if you got a Tesla car, you can bundle your Tesla car insurance with your Tesla homeowner insurance. And then, Tesla also getting into, getting into the electrical wall units. You see what I'm saying? So Tesla, could he could pivot not only in the in 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 electrical cars uh sales because they got all the data on all the drive it makes sense every time you drive your tesla car is is collecting data on you so tesla can analyze so 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 he can analyze the data not tesla himself but his company and the robotics and the spiders they they can analyze the data the data to see who's a safe driver who's not a safe driver and they and they determine how much to charge everybody by their driving habits because they got all the data See, this is what traditional insurance companies don't have. They don't have the data because traditional companies wasn't plugged in with General Motors, Ford, or Chrysler. They weren't plugged in, right? They weren't communicating because, because insurance, excuse me, because insurance companies, insurance company, and automotive automotive companies, those were standalone companies. They didn't share information. You see what I'm saying? So the insurance company really, 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 really just is just looking at the transportation data. And seeing and then the safety data on cars and see how to how to charge people these premium for these cars. If the car is unsafe, they're gonna charge you a little bit more for buying that car, right? If if they if 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 they if they, if, 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 if they looking at the uh, how many tickets you didn't got stuff like that, they're looking at that and they charging you based on that. But see, what Tesla is, they didn't share data with automobile. But see, with Tesla, when you driving their car, they see the data, they see how you drive, they see how you perform, they see how the car perform, they see how you performing. So they can set their rates based on that. See, now General Motors and insurance companies, now they're starting to kind of merge a little bit, right? Merging each other a little bit, trying to share information because Tesla, uh, 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 they, they got to battle Tesla, Tesla now. But what I think what's going to happen is just like you see General Motors and Ford, how they got their own credit unions, right? How they get something from money. They get your labor. They get your labor out there sweating, making their doggone cars. And then you turn around and, and you buy one of them cars from them. They, and then you turn around and pay them. Yeah, you pay them for a car that you made. And they, and they have no and, and, and they have no skin in the game. You know, because they already built the plant. They already paid for the plant. They paid for the plant with 0% interest money. Right? And then, then GM takes GM takes the money that you pay on that note every month. They take that note and invest in another car company. See, all these car companies, all of them in bed together. Honda invest in GM, GM invest in Ford. All of them invest in one another. 
People want to say it's a car war between Chrysler, Ford, GM, Honda. Hey, it ain't no car war. All of them is in bed with each other. All of them investing in each other. Because they take that money and they, and they invest. They take their money that they get that free labor from and invest. They take that 0% interest money and they invest in each other company. That's how you got 50 million automotive companies out here. And they ain't complaining about one another because they all making money. Because they all have a vested interest in each other company. And that's how insurance is. You know, I think about that. I say, you know, when you go out and buy a brand new car, right? You go out and buy a brand new car, you got to carry full coverage and insurance on it. You may be paying, like now they, they people are so stupid now, they paying, they giving us, they, they, they finance the cars for 70 months. They paying four, five hundred dollars for a car that they that they financed for seven years. This is the craziest thing I ever heard in my doggone life. On top of that, that that four, five, or six hundred dollar car payment they paying for seventy months. On top of that, every month they got to carry full coverage insurance, and they paying at least two hundred dollars a month or two fifty a month just for insurance, full coverage insurance to insure that vehicle that they paying. Uh, anywhere from four to five hundred dollars, four to six hundred dollars a month for for seventy months. So for seventy months, they're gonna be paying about two fifty a month for that insurance, two fifty three hundred, just insurance alone that vehicle. That's the money that the insurance company getting for free. Now you know, now you won't be careful when you drive that dog on car because it's brand new or whatever. You know, you still paying on it. You don't want no scratches and dings on it. Now if you get now uh, for the for the it's it it it's average, it's average, and it's an odds game. You know, if you get into an accident, okay, yep, the car gonna be fully insurance company gonna fully pay for it. Now, what the insurance company got so smart with it, well, because cars devalue so much, insurance company threw this gap insurance into the game. Now, they charge you gap insurance now because they know when you drive that car off the car lot, it just depreciated. The car of twenty thousand dollars, we drive and drive it off the car lot. The car worth fifteen thousand dollars. So now somebody got to cover that gap. Why somebody got to cover that gap? I'm paying you full cover insurance for this car. How did I get a gap? How do, how do I? Why do I got to? Why do I got to pay gap? Because the car depreciated, so you're not covering the, 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 the you're not covering the, the the depreciated value of the vehicle now. I got to buy extra insurance to cover the gap, and the gap is 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 the depreciation of the vehicle. Because now. Now, if I turn around and drive that car back to the car lot, it's worth $15,000 now. That means the car dealer going to give me $15,000. Or, no, if I drive off lot and I get into an accident. I get into an accident, that brand new car, just drove a lot. The car, they're going to they gonna tow that car. The insurance company going to give me $15,000 for it. And if I didn't buy gap insurance at the time when I purchased insurance, now I'm going to be liable for $5,000. Hey, that's the craziest thing you ever heard in your life. This is the stuff that they do and they get away with because they have the government pack and do it. Because they didn't pay some politician, right, to pass these bills in the middle of the night when you're sleeping or you watching some basketball game, watching your favorite player play, and you all happy and you geek, you watch a Super Bowl. This is the kind of laws they be passing in the middle of the night. They be passing these bills like this on these task players, and they got us so distracted watching these sports and all this old entertainment stuff that they they pushing this stuff right back. And you wake up the next morning, and now your car is devalued, you got, and you find out you need gap insurance. You don't complain about it because you ain't even know that you need it until, until 90 people told you needed it. You can't complain about it because you're watching a football game. So this kind of stuff these people do with this insurance. Insurance is a big, big money maker. It's like, 
A guy told me the other day, he said, look, he said, you go to some of these big cities. Used to be a time when you go to these big cities, see these big skyscraper buildings, you know, it was corporations in them. You know, like, you know, like GM or Ford or, or, or some corporation. Now, when you go to these cities and you see these big high ride buildings, they're, 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 they're pretty much banks or insurance companies. Banks or insurance company. Or Wall Street or some investment company. Money management company. There's not no corporation with these high rises now. These are all the insurance companies. These are all banks. These, these are all investment firms. The game is switched all the way around now. And they pumping us more and more. With it. That's why, I'm going to tell y'all, you're going to see GM and Ford, you know, they're they, they going to follow suit with Elon Musk. They're going to they, they gonna put together their own insurance company to insure their own vehicle. Matter of fact, I think they already do. I think you go to GM, GMAC, you, you can get some GMAC insurance on your vehicle. They do insure their own vehicle, which is a smart move because they're getting something for nothing. They make the parts. If the parts break down, right, you you, you got to buy GM parts to fix the car, right? They already, they already got tons and tons of OEM parts and parts that they make, so it don't cost them anything. It costs them pennies on a dollar. Like I told y'all before, you get these manufacturers, they're beating up on their suppliers now to drive the cost down. But they don't pass that cost on to the consumer who buy their products. But we talk about insurance right now. Insurance is a heck of a game, y'all. It's a heck of a game. But look, I have to go enough of y'all time now. I just want to hit y'all up on yeah, I'm about that this little insurance thing. Now y'all know, like I always tell y'all, this old this old party Gus Maduro number one. I bought this little thing here online, right? I want y'all to go to y'all, whatever y'all go buy y'all cigars at your local cigar spot. Find and ask them folks, them good folks who who uh, who know about these cigars, who's working there. Ask them if they, they bought this party Gus. And I want y'all to try the party. You may not find a party because Maduro number one, but whatever party gets you find is going to be a good stick. And I want y'all to stand, smoke that stick, relax, have your couple of drinks, socialize with the people in a lounge. Support your local cigar lounge. I always tell y'all that. You can buy your little cigars online at JR at Hope, Corona, whatever like that. You can buy cigars that you love, you know, to fill up your little humidor at home. But when you step outside your door, you may want to take your little couple of little cigars in your pocket. But if you go into a cigar spot, buy your cigars and set the cigar spot. Even, even if you buy your cigars at that cigar spot to fill your humidor with, leave your cigars at home. Or take your cigars with you in case. But when you get there, buy a cigar. Patronize your local cigar spot. We got to keep our local cigar spots alive, folks. All right? Now look, like I tell y'all always when I leave here now, I want y'all to take care of everybody. But more importantly in life, take care of yourself first. All right now.